The debate over police reform. This week, we talk with Indiana Senators Todd Young and Mike Braun and Congressman Andre Carson, plus Attorney General Curtis Hill under suspension and fighting for his party's nomination. We'll talk with him one-on-one -on -one and with one of his opponents, former Congressman Todd Rokita. It's all ahead this Sunday in Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Good morning, I'm Dan Spieler. The conversation continues in Indiana, D.C., and nationwide. Amidst this coronavirus crisis and in the middle of an election year, the topic of equality, policing, and race remains at the forefront. And this week I spoke with both of Indiana's Republican senators. This has been quite a time in the, in the life of our country. What have you learned from the situation involving George Floyd and the ensuing protests that, that we've seen? Well, I've learned that so much of America has a heart, that they love their fellow human beings, uh, that uh, they were horrified as I was horrified when they saw that video of George Floyd. Uh, I learned that uh, black, white, Asian, Latino, uh, really so many Americans, a diverse group is calling for change at the local level with respect to police forces uh, and at the state and federal level uh, so that uh, we, can, we can deal with the issue of, of police interaction with uh, our black American communities, but uh, also uh, more broadly with other issues. And uh, that's something that uh, I want to play a leadership role in helping to advance uh, these concerns. What actions do you support legislatively and what's been your reaction and response to these calls to uh, defund or in some way restructure police departments? Yes. So I, I support uh, a number of sort of reforms that uh, Tim Scott, uh, who is uh, a black Republican senator uh, who's taken lead in, in the Republican conference, uh, is uh, putting forward. Uh, he's still working on the package, but uh, we suspect it will include uh, an emphasis on de-escalation tactic training for police forces so that uh, uh, when someone is excited, when someone does need to be contained, police uh, members of a police force are trained in how to properly de-escalate. I support making sure that all members of a police force have access to body cameras and keep those cameras on. Uh, I support transparency and accountability so that when there are bad actors, uh, and most are good actors, but when there are bad actors, we root them out. We make sure they're not shopped around to another police force and start working for them. Uh, and, and lastly, we need to beef up our community relations efforts at so many different police forces. Uh, that may mean in, in some localities creating more substations located around a particular force. That may mean uh, outsourcing some of the activities of a police force to social workers, to health care workers and others. If that's what people mean by defund, um, uh, that's, that's a different sort of thing. But I understand many people who are calling for radical change, defunding of our police forces altogether. And that strikes me as a very dangerous, very bad uh, idea. And the last thing that our black communities or any of our communities need at, at this point in our history. I wanted to ask you about the president's tweets. Senator Romney called the president's tweet on the Buffalo protester shocking, but he's been more vocal than most in your party. Are you concerned that if more Republicans don't push back against this kind of messaging, 
that we'll see more tweets like this from the president. What impact might that have on your party this election year, but also on the efforts uh, to try and unify our country right now? So let's look at the underlying incident. To me, that was horrific again, where you shove an individual, uh, especially at that age. Uh, he very well could have lost his life if he had hit his head wrong. Uh, thank goodness he's recovering. So the underlying event was bad again. The president's reaction to it, uh, there were many of us that probably thought that wasn't the place to tweet or to maybe make that point, because I think we're at a point in time where we've got to find out how we come together to heal that divide between law enforcement, which I said earlier does a great job, and the few bad apples that then set it back. So the tweeting, uh, that's been part of his way of communicating. Uh, I think many uh, us Repu uh, Republican senators as well, would think that you ought to maybe measure those more so. And in this case, I didn't agree with that particular tweet. Look, I, I ran for the United States Senate explicitly using these words, promising to uh, do my darndest to represent all Hoosiers, all Hoosiers, regardless of their circumstances, regardless of what zip code they grew up in. Uh, or what geography they live in. And uh, I am, am determined more now, now than I, I've ever been uh, to do that. I want to bring people together. So it's not a time for finger pointing. Uh, it's a time to try and unify people. And um, uh, that's what I'm focused on. You don't have any reaction to, to the president's tweet? It's not a time for finger pointing. It's a time for unifying. And uh, I'm focused on what's within my control. That's not responding uh, to tweets uh, or other such measures. That's not why Hoosiers sent me to the United States Senate. All right. This week, we are also hearing from Indiana congressional representatives on both sides of the aisle on the issue of police reform and calls from some protesters to defund the police. But what would that mean exactly? Here's Washington correspondent Trevor Shirley. It's a common phrase at protests across the country, and in some cities, defund the police is now emblazoned across major streets. Do we spend a little less on police and, and more on social workers? And Democrats aren't the only ones trying to figure out what the phrase means. So defund, if it means we're going to give police departments and communities less money, I'm 100% opposed to that. Indiana Republican Representative Greg Pence says it's time to empower first responders. They need more support. They don't need less support. But Indiana Democratic Representative Andre Carson says Republicans are exploiting the phrase's ambiguity. This is an opportunity, unfortunately, for Republicans to try to paint Democrats as being anti-police. Democrats are not anti-police. We are for better policing. Carson, who is also a former police officer, says better policing means more accountability and less militarization. It also means allotting those funds to have caseworkers on site dealing with citizens as well. On Monday, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said any defunding decisions are left up to local communities, not the feds. Reporting in Washington, I'm Trevor Shirley. Okay, also weighing in on the issue of defunding police, Indiana Attorney General Curtis Hill, who's currently serving a 30-day suspension ahead of the Republican convention next week. We spoke Friday about that and about this recent column he wrote for Fox News 
on the issue of police defunding. This as Hill faces a challenge from three fellow Republicans for the GOP nomination, including former Congressman Todd Rokita. I spoke with Rokita and with Hill earlier this week. A lot to talk about, obviously, ahead of the convention, but I want to start with that conversation about police reform. You wrote an op-ed for Fox News calling the idea to defund police utter nonsense. What kind of reforms do you support? I think it's always important in law enforcement and justice to be looking at ways that we can improve the system. Uh, finding things that don't work, um, that's absolutely uh, fantastic. What we need to stay away from is reactionary uh, modes, looking at something in an isolated situation and then determining that we need a quick fix for everything. Um, one of the things that we want to make sure of is that our justice system accountability measures are adequate. Each of us harbors uh, stereotypes, um, implicit bias, uh, prejudgments on people based on a variety of factors. Uh, and we don't think that we're racist, uh, but we have these, these setups that we have for other people based on other conditions that, that uh, shades um, our view of individuals and, and, and how we interact with them. And I think we need, to, we need to be aware of that because once we understand that we all have that shortcoming, in other words, that plank in my eye before I go after that speck in your eye, that's the approach that we need to develop empathy that begins a conversation towards racial reconciliation, which is long overdue in this country. That's why one of the things that I've been proposing and will be working on in the near weeks is a forum on race and justice to address these hard-hitting issues uh, that have been lingering uh, really since uh, uh, pr prior to the Constitution itself. So at the moment, obviously, your law license is under suspension stemming from the allegations you faced in 2018. This next week, Republican delegates will decide whether to nominate you for re-election or to choose another candidate. One of those candidates, former Congressman Todd Rokita, has said you're too wounded politically to win this race. What's your response to that? Well, I, um, that's the nature of politics today, Dan. Uh, personal attacks, uh, politics by uh, personal destruction. Um, I would point you to the President of the United States, uh, who I've shared uh, a great deal of, of uh, work with. Uh, the President is the third President of the United States to be impeached. Uh, he also, like me, uh, faced a special prosecutor that cleared him of criminal wrongdoing. And yet, uh, in Indiana, he remains very popular. Um, we have no doubt that uh, he's, he's going to win the state of Indiana. And so from that standpoint, um, my situation is, is no different. When you go out to grassroots Republicans, uh, they recognize that personal attacks aside, they look for the record of accomplishment. And we've placed the uh, AG's office in the strongest position it's been in years. But it's not just Rokia who's been standing in opposition to your candidacy. The governor has called for you to step down. And just recently, the state party chair said, the Supreme Court unanimously confirmed that Curtis Hill committed battery against four women. He said, quote, Hoosiers would be best served by having a new attorney general. What can you possibly do here to overcome that kind of opposition within your own party? Well, the opposition that you speak of is rather limited because our party is made up of grassroots individuals. Our party is made up of delegates who work very hard to ascertain the truth of the situation. And uh, we have the support of the people. Uh, fortunately, this is not a totalitarian regime where uh, things come down from on mount uh, or from on high. Uh, this is a situation where you go to each every delegate and then ultimately each and every voter and explain your position. And uh, we feel very confident that at the end of the day, we will be the Republican nominee for attorney general. 
our campaign is one that is offering grassroots conservatives the real choice to win in November. Uh, when you're going for the state's top attorney job and you have lost your license while in office and the highest court in our state has found that you committed criminal battery, uh, your political chances are done. And I'm the only one in this race, no other candidate has, has won twice statewide, no other candidate has led and operated an office statewide uh, for eight years like I have, and no other candidate has the voting record I do, uh, where you can actually see my votes, see the, see the language that I actually wrote and co-sponsored. And so with that combination, uh, we're posed uh, to win this convention and go on to win in the fall, and we're, getting, we're gaining support by the minute. I want to ask you about everything that's happened these past couple of weeks. What have you learned from the situation involving George Floyd and, and the ensuing protests that we've seen? Do you believe there's a problem with systemic racism in American law enforcement? And, and what role should a state attorney general play in trying to solve some of these issues? Right. Well, as Indiana's next attorney general, you're going to see me protect the people of the state and their constitution. Mr. Floyd's constitutional rights were extinguished. In this, in, in this country and in the state of Indiana, you have a right to trial by jury. You have a right to, uh, to speak and associate. Uh, you, what, what happened to Mr. Floyd was he was given a death sentence without due process. And that is wrong. And so as Attorney General, we're gonna work to make sure that doesn't happen. Now, having said that, uh, the Attorney General's office uh, under me will be a good partner to law enforcement. The vast, vast majority uh, of police offices are needed, are respected, and they're good. Okay, so there's Rokita, there's Hill, and two other candidates, Decatur County Prosecutor Nate Harder and Attorney John Westerkamp, who are also seeking the GOP nomination. Delegates will vote next week. It'll be a while until we know the winner. Tomorrow, Democrats will hold their virtual convention, I should say yesterday, with delegates choosing between State Senator Karen Tallian and former Evansville Mayor Jonathan Weinzapfel. We should know the results, perhaps, as soon as tomorrow. Also at the State House this week, more trouble for Democratic State Representative Dan Forrestal, arrested for a second time, now facing charges of resisting law enforcement and battery on a public safety official. He is still technically been in office, but he is not running for re-election this year. Coming up this Sunday in Focus, the coronavirus crisis with Indiana's numbers still trending in the right direction. The governor moving the state to stage four, while other states see new spikes in cases. We'll have the very latest up next. And we'll speak with our panel about the latest polling numbers this election year in the race for president and some of the big races here in Indiana. Stick around. All right, welcome back. It's time to bring in our panel today. UND political science professor Dr. Laura Wilson, former state party chair for the Indiana Democrats, Robin Winston, and 2016 vice chair for the Indiana Trump campaign, Tony Samuel, with us as well. Let's start with Laura. In the midst of his suspension, we just heard from Attorney General Curtis Hill and one of his opponents, Todd Rokita. This is going to be an interesting convention race, to say the least, Laura. 
It is. And it's fun to watch it play out in the convention, especially a convention this year, which is all virtual and uh, really amidst a crazy political culture. But but to watch this play out in this way, um, you have an incumbent attorney general who won great numbers, but has endured an incredible controversy. There's challenges in party. Uh, you have challenges from the Democratic Party. There's a lot going on here. And this is just the attorney general of Indiana. It's a very important position, but not one we often give a lot of attention to. So a lot of stuff to pay attention to right now as yeah. we see this Certainly a lot of scrutiny this year. Robin, Democrats holding their convention this weekend, and by early this week, we could know who your party is nominating in this race for AG. We have two outstanding candidates, uh, State Senator Karen Tallian and former Evansville Mayor Jonathan Weinzappel. Uh, there are, are 2,500 delegates that could be at our convention. They balloted by, uh, like we should, by mail in a lot of cases. Um, and so as it's going to be an exciting convention. I think that we will not come out as fractured as the Republican Party will when they do theirs next month. And Tony, this convention fight for Republicans pretty noteworthy for a lot of reasons, including the suspension and the allegations the AG has faced, but also in the sense that this is a convention vote, but there's no convention, really. You can't work the room when you can't be in the room. Yeah, that's a shame, but I know uh, all the candidates are doing their best to, to reach out to delegates. Curtis Hill has been traveling the state, meeting with delegates and, and big and small groups and, and uh, uh, you know, doing a lot as far as uh, op-ed pieces that then get sent out to, to delegates and, and other type of mail and, and that sort of thing. They all are. I would disagree with Todd Rokita. Curtis Hill can win this, and I, and I think he will. I think he'll get through the convention. I'm one of those delegates, and I'll be voting for Curtis Hill, and you know that I uh, know Todd Rokita and have helped him in the past, but I just don't think that it's time for Todd uh, I, to do this again. I think he's trying to uh, revamp his political career where, where Curtis is a, a known quantity as attorney general. He's done a great job uh, for conservatives and for all Hoosiers uh, working on protecting Second Amendment rights and, and protecting the unborn and, and so on and so Wait, forth. But you talk, about, you talk about viability. You talk about polling numbers there, Tony. Let's take a look at some of those uh, polling numbers out there. Uh, this is in the race for attorney general. These are, are numbers uh, that came from a poll that Karen Tallian commissioned showing her tied with Curtis Hill, 36-36. Jonathan Weinzapfel in a hypothetical matchup with uh, Curtis Hill. He, he's down a couple of points there. We also have some other uh, races to show you here from that same poll, the race for governor. Governor Holcomb there with a, a very big lead this poll from the end of May. And then in the race for president in Indiana, Donald Trump ahead of Joe Biden by 10 points here in Indiana. But other recent polls have shown Biden growing his lead nationally now 49-41 when you average out all of the recent polls. Uh, Robin, what do you guys make looking at some of these numbers with the election now four and a half months away? First off, I've been trying to convince the Biden campaign that Indiana can be more viable. Uh, secondly, on attorney general, voters will be making a decision if it is indeed Tony's pick, Curtis Hill, as whether or not they want to elect somebody who has opposed the Affordable Care Act. Been pretty silent on the hate crimes bill, which is which is not real strong. And then obviously the other issues that he had. And then as it relates to governor, tremendous time for a person with uh, skills in Medical to be running. Woody Myers has those skills. I hope that he will inform voters of those. One thing that I noticed election day, Dan, here in Marion County, Woody Myers got 89 or 88,000 votes. Eric Holton's 39,000 votes. That's a tremendous margin in an election, which calls out more and more the need to keep our no excuse absentee voting going forward. Myers, though, uh, way down in that poll. Tony, what else stands out to you looking at those poll numbers? 
Well, a lot stands out. I, I don't buy the the fact that that some of them show that Biden's uh, got uh, such a lead. Um, remember that polls weren't good for Donald Trump uh, four years ago, but we knew he'd win big in Indiana. He won by 20 points. I predicted that. I predict now that he's going to win by more than 20 in Indiana. Related to the AG's race, I think uh, Curtis Hill can beat either of those Democrat uh, challengers, whichever one it is, uh, on on the merits of his uh, four years. But when you've got a big win uh, in Indiana for Donald Trump, that's going to carry on down the ticket. And, and folks in Indiana are not going to vote for somebody that's so liberal as either one of those two candidates. Mm. So I, I think Curtis Hill can win both in the convention and in the general. Okay. Laura, what do you make of those numbers and the impact of the news here the, the past couple of weeks? How's that impacting, especially that race for president? Yeah, well, I think the race for president is really important here. We saw Donald Trump's approval ratings go down to 39%, which is the lowest they've been since October. Of course, months until the election, um, but public perception is everything. And uh, Tony mentioned this. I think I heard this before on the show just the importance of that coattail effect and that down ballot effect. This was really important for Donald Trump, for the Republicans, and important for Joe Biden, for the Democrats. Uh, for any of people that were one of nine states that elects our governor at the same time as the president, uh, people don't pay enough attention yeah. to these races at the state level that are really important. But they will look at that sure. presidential race and how they feel about the president, and then they'll mark yeah. down Republican or Democrat. A lot of folks do still straight ticket vote. We'll and see. so I think yeah. that's where this polling really is most important here and how it's shaping okay. not just how they feel about one candidate, but how they feel about the entire right. party and which way voters are ultimately going to decide. All right, Laura, Robin, Tony, thanks so much. We'll see you again soon. Coming up next this Sunday in Focus, the latest on the coronavirus, Indiana moving forward, still making progress, but there are warning signs in other states where things aren't going so well. Stick around. We'll be right back. Dozers have, I think, for the, um, the most part, been very not only patient but vigilant, and that is... Um, that combination has allowed us to weather this storm and continue to progress from stage one to stage two to stage two to stage three, and now on to um, stage four. Governor Holcomb moving Indiana into stage four this weekend, allowing more businesses and attractions to open across most of the state. This as several states see big spikes in coronavirus cases as summer gets underway, particularly Arizona, Florida, Texas, California, among others. Indiana is still trending in the right direction for now, with cases mostly flat and generally down from recent weeks. All right, stick around. We'll be right back to wrap things up next. Thanks for joining us this week. Much more to come on Fox News Sunday and Face the Nation. We'll see you again next Sunday in Focus.